0: Drama on One.
1: Sundays at 8 pm. RTE.ie forward slash drama on one.
2: Drama on one. Drama on one is offered as a podcast at RTE.ie forward slash drama on one and of course here on RTE Radio One on Sunday nights. Tonight on Drama on One, Bloody Writers. Written and directed by Charlie McCarthy. Niav wins a residency at a writer's retreat. There she meets American writer L.D. Power and the retreat's manager David, a failed novelist. When Niav receives feedback on a short story, we learn more about the inner monster within the young, aspiring writer. And just a note that the programme contains some strong language along the way. Starring Aileen Mythen, Richard Cooper, Lisa Thurman and Patrick Ryan, And with an original score by Dennis Clahassey, this is Bloody Writers, written and directed by Charlie McCarthy.
1: movie. I mean, what if me here now was like the opening shot? A camera on a drone, high over the Hollywood hills, swooping down to find me here in my yellow bikini, stretched out like a cat beside my heart-shaped pool. That would work. A cool image for the youngest, most successful ever screenwriter, dash producer, dash showrunner that I am. Who would have thought? What's that ancient movie? The one that Dave loves? The one about the Hollywood star who lives in the mansion just around the corner from here on Sunset Boulevard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Silly me. It's called Sunset Boulevard. With glorious swan song. That's what Dave calls her. Funny guy, Dave. Where the hell is he anyway? Dave? 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 I came to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard. That movie opens with a guy face down in a pool. Dead, but talking. Neat trick. I just love lying here. Poolside, with the cool feel of the water, as the tips of my fingers tickle the silky surface. I guess I'll never again go into water. Haven't had a swim since. Since. If this was a movie, it would go all flashback here. A slow dissolve to exterior country road in the sad, wet middle of Ireland. Early autumn, a few years ago. The battered old Passat grunts along the road to interior car me and my dad <sighs> mm. Where did that coal come on
0: it's not a coal navy
1: did you take your glaucoma drops
0: I did this morning.
1: your eyes are still watery are you allergic to something no <sighs> dad oh, you're not crying are you he was. So proud of you, love. It's just two weeks in a writer's retreat.
0: But you won it. And they saw the talent in your writing, and talent is talent. I suppose. No doubt about it, Nevie. And after everything you've been through the, the
1: suicidal ideation.
0: And your time in, in,
1: in the asylum.
0: And after mems, you know, after she after she fell asleep in the bath and
1: Dad Mum drowned herself She did
0: Well you came through it all Evie, that's why I took a day off work to drive you and even if it is a day off my holidays I don't care because I'm so proud of your success Thanks Dad
1: He was right, I was a success in Tipperary anyway that's where I won the prize for my story, The Purple Hoodie. Two weeks in the famous Killaduna House Writers' Retreat. I never heard of the place until they made all the fuss about what a great prize it was, how it would open new doors for me. So, there I was, at the start of a great adventure. We drove up the avenue, turned a corner, and there before us a giant mirror, spread out against the trees and the black hills beyond silvery still then a swan landed the mirror cracked a lake of course the Kiladuna website shows people swimming in the lake so I had brought my swimming gear even in landlocked Tipperary I am was an all year round all weather swimmer maybe my blood runs colder than most I don't know we turned another corner and I got my first scope of Kiladuna House. Oh, not save
0: us and care. That's some fancy
1: place. Yeah. Thanks for the lift.
0: Here. I got this for you. What is it? Just a bottle of something to share with your new friends.
1: You know I don't do friends.
0: Take it, love.
1: Thanks. Hi. The front door had a scrawled sign saying, Open, push, go to office. I pushed, went inside. It was all darkness and wood and dead things. A stag's head, a stuffed squirrel suffocating in a glass case the skin of a tiger nailed to the wall, its open mouth screaming silently. I like dead things. On the way to the office, there were all these splashy paintings on the walls. They looked out of place, just like me. An old fat guy, about 50, was asleep at the desk. An empty glass, an almost empty bottle of wine. I like to frighten people. (coughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh my, that always cracks me up Christ,
4: I, I'm about to have a cardiac arrest And you're cracking up, whoever the hell you are
3: <laughs> I just can't It's just so funny when people get a fright like that
4: Is it? Well, don't let me spoil your fun by dying right here in front of you <clears throat> You Neve? Yeah Dave, but you can call me Mr David until I forgive you You're on my list of arrivals for today a list of one, as it happens. how did you get her? I hitched. Hitched? A snowflake like you?
1: I like to live dangerously.
4: Do you know? And where did you hitch from? Tipperary. Tipperary. That a long way?
1: Yeah, a long way to go. Very original.
4: Hmm, thanks. Forget it. Lame joke. Right, you're in Seamus Heaney. Come on, I'll show you. <laughs> Here we are, best room in the house, first floor, lake view, and since she never closes her shutters, a of genius at work. What? You see down there? Where? Down there in Edna O'Brien. In who? It's a room called after the Great One. See that bay window on the ground floor directly across from
1: you? Oh, yeah.
4: Recognise the woman writing at the desk? Um... It's L.D. Power. Really? She's here for a month. Oh. You have read her.
1: Well, I... Of course I, you have.
4: I, Read her and weep, I say. Those sentences, oh my God, the sentences, every word a diamond, every sentence a diamond necklace, every paragraph a jewelled crown of translucent, hard, beautiful prose. Is it any wonder she makes me want to vomit? You two are the only residents for the next few weeks. Don't look at her, don't salute her, and above all, don't ask her questions about writing. She's here to work, understood? Got it. You do know who L.D. Power is.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. L.D. Power. Love her.
4: Which is your favourite? Oh,
1: Wow. Oh, the lake looks lovely. I'm an all-year-round swimmer.
4: Really? Would I swim in it? No. There's a black hole in the bottom that leads to the gates of hell, or worse, to the centre of Galway. Be careful, we want you waving, not drowning. The internet's down. I'm doing nothing to fix it. Dinner's at seven, it's compulsory, there will be a bell. Do not ask for whom it tolls, it tolls for thee! Two
1: words came to mind. Hole and ass. But not in that order. I unpacked, took out my laptop, set it up on the table by the window overlooking the lake. I looked at the laptop, then at the lake. I couldn't resist. (sighs) I always loved the blade of cold water slicing through my body as I plunged. I was never more alive than I was in those liquidy seconds. And if I stayed too long under, which I often did, I felt I was close to something dark. Death, maybe. I swam to the middle of the lake, but I was out of breath before I got there. Dried out and back at my desk, I opened a new document. Stared hard at the whiteness. Stared and stared until a light went on at the edge of my eye. Down in Edna O'Brien, the lamp on the desk had just been turned on. The supposedly great L.D. Power was sitting there, dressed in black, hunched over the table like a giant bat writing by hand. I watched as she scrawled slowly on her tiny notebook. After every word, she went in close to look at it. Close enough to smell it, to lick it, to eat it. Weird. Dinner. She didn't move. The bell stopped. She still didn't move, except for the slow scrawl across her notebook. I was starving, so I went downstairs to the compulsory dinner. Well, (laughs) compulsory for some. Hi.
4: Oh, there she is. Tipperary's own Sally Rooney. Who? That's funny. Is it? Oh, no, no. Don't sit there. That's for the great American novelist. Oh, sorry. Uh, she'll sit there if she ever decides to join us, that is. Sit by me. Sit by me. Always sit at the right hand of the Lord. Now, let me serve you. <sighs> can't write on an empty stomach. So, what great creative enterprise brings you here? I'm here to write. Oh, you're here to write. Well, I never. What? Of course you're here to write. That's why people come here. That's why I come here.
1: Oh sorry, I thought you were the manager or something
4: Mm, Just for a few months while the actual manager is drying out in the Rutland
3: Oh, so you're a writer too?
4: Yes, I bear that cross
3: What do you write?
4: Words, words, words
3: Um, Should I know any of your stuff? You should
4: my dear, yes you should But you can't be expected to It's a life's work and I just cannot part of it my friends plead, plead with me, and yet I cannot, I cannot publish it. It is my whole life transferred to the page. It is, in short, my magnum opus.
1: I love a magnum. The one with almonds, my favourite.
4: Mm, right. Do you know scored? Of course you do. Well, 30 years ago, I was doing what he's doing now, and he writes in Norwegian, for God's sake. Norwegian, the litrum of languages, and yet he achieves world domination. Don't start me. I won't. Of course, Canoes Scourge surrendered his work to the vulgarity of publishing, and I, I have kept my baby at my breast, suckling the milky ink that spills from it.
3: Ugh, that's gross. Mm,
4: of course it is. Writing's a dirty business. Never mind. Eat up. If I say so myself, the food's to diet for. Oh no, not now. That's LDP ringing the servant's bell in her room. And who's the servant? What? Could she join us? No. Could you come among us, make small talk, share her thoughts, act like a normal human being? No. Must I interrupt my own meal just because the great LD powerful now wants to be fed in her own room? Yes. Must I produce food that is vegetarian, celiac friendly and that does not contain the colour red? Yes. Even though the image she so carefully curates is that of a woman who would kill and eat a raw squirrel for breakfast? Yes, yes and yes. I said yes.
1: I left as Call Me Mr. David prepared her food. The internet was still down, so I went to the library, which only had books in it. What kind of a library is that? I found some of LD Power stuff. I hate reading, so I speed read them. She wasn't telling stories. It was writing for its own sake, and I hate that. That night I watched her at her desk. At first, it was that snail scrawl into a tiny notebook. But then she opened her laptop, began writing faster. When I went to bed, she was still at it. I woke at dawn and tried writing again. I typed a few words that never even made it to the other margin. There were no diamonds. There were no necklaces. Then I saw her, tall and gaunt, dressed in black, a giant cockroach heading to the lake. She got into the boat and rowed to the centre. This was my chance.
0: Oh,
5: my. Well, you gave me a fright.
1: Sorry. I didn't think I'd come
3: up here.
5: You swam from the shore?
3: Yeah. I love to stay underwater for as long as I can.
5: Is it not freezing in there?
3: Not too bad. You should try it.
5: I can't swim. <laughs> Never could. Afraid.
3: But you're not afraid to take the
5: boat. I'm most comfortable out of my comfort zone. There's a lake near where I live in Montana. It's called Lake Sorrow. I go there every day when I'm back home.
1: Oh, I'm Neith, by the way. How do you spell that? N-I-A-M-H
5: Right, another great Irish name I'm collecting them You're my first need I'm Lavinia
3: Hi Lavinia
5: Nice meeting you
3: Nice meeting you too
5: You'd better get back I'll race you
1: Okay I plunged and swam like a seal to the lake's edge when I got there, I saw that the boat stayed just where it was. Why would she do that? I was nice to her, and I'm never nice to people. Then it struck me. She was trying to get rid of me. I didn't like that one bit. Not one bit. I stormed <sighs> off, chewing on my anger, when I bumped into Mr. David.
4: Literally. <sighs> Ooh, careful. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. My nice swim?
1: Uh, yeah. But looking forward to a hot shower now.
4: Hey, hey, not so fast. You disobeyed me. What? I saw you hanging on to the boat, talking to she who must not be talked to.
1: Oh, no. I was swimming nearby, minding my own business. She called me over. Really? Yeah. She was so friendly.
4: She's a monster. All riders are, if they're any good. And even if they aren't, especially if they aren't. <sighs> okay.
1: I better go get into that shower.
4: You've been warned.
1: After my shower, I sat at my desk, staring at blankness. Hi, Dad. How's it going, love? Great. It's going great. Yeah? Yeah. I started the day with a swim. Been writing all day.
0: Great, Evie.
1: Yeah, I wrote a thousand words.
0: Right. A thousand. Is that
1: a lot? Yeah, that's like the the max. (laughs) Mighty
4: walk.
1: And L.D. Power is here. Who? L.D. Power? She's American. She wrote, The Woods Are Fire, Canyon Sorrows and River Stories.
0: Never heard of them. Well, I wouldn't, would I?
1: (laughs) In my view, she writes words like diamonds and sentences like necklaces. Oh,
0: nice. Failed used to
1: She's always been one of my favourites. I've read everything she ever wrote. The Purple Hoodie was influenced by her, in a way. That's amazing,
0: love. And She's there.
1: Yeah, I can see her from my bedroom window. I'm looking at her now, right down in um, Edna O'Brien. All the rooms are called after writers. I'm in Seamus Heaney. L.D. Lavinia loves my writing. She's read it. Just the story I won the prize for, The Purple Hoodie. She begged me to show it to her. She said it was perfect.
0: I'm so proud of you, love.
1: Ah, oh, I have to go. It's dinner time and it's compulsory. Well, for some. Right. Bye, love.
4: Ta-da. Mm, what's that? Beef Wellington. Never heard of it. Really? I would have thought Tipperary was full of beef and Wellingtons. <laughs>
1: oh, is that meant to be funny? Um. <laughs>
4: uh, uh. Oh, and right on cue, the monster wants to be fed. Just a I... To...
1: I'll take it up to her.
4: Why would you do that?
1: Just to say sorry for talking to her, for disobeying you.
4: Well, I'll be... a random act of kindness from the baby monster. Okay. Accepted. <sighs> Poetry in a dish.
1: Looks amazing.
4: David's souffle supreme. Just leave it outside the door. Knock once and go.
1: Got it. Your dinner.
5: Just leave it by the door. Please, leave it outside.
1: Are you deaf? Oh. Neve. Sorry, Lavinia. David said I should bring it to your desk because it's a delicate souffle and it might collapse. Okay,
5: leave it over there on the desk. Sorry about earlier. The race. I was trying to get rid of you.
1: Were you? Why?
5: Don't take it personally. I like to be alone on the lake for as long as I can bear it.
1: David warned me not to talk to you. Did he? First day when I came here.
5: He didn't need to do that. He's an odd guy. In any moment, I don't know whether he wants to kiss my ass or strangle me. (laughs) That's funny. Because it's true, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, just so you know, I would never ask you about writing or anything.
5: There's nothing to ask about writing. It's like anything. You just do it. You just write. Then you make it better. Then make it better again. And then when you think it's the best you can do, make it better again. Then you abandon it. The end. I need to eat. You need to go. That souffle is- Okay.
1: No problem. Enjoy. As I left, I saw Mr. David standing at the end of the corridor. Hi. He said nothing. Sorry. She asked me to get some water for her. He just gave a creepy smile and walked away. That night, I sat at my desk, not writing. I was not writing so hard that the white space on my screen got whiter and whiter until it filled the whole room. Everywhere I looked, there was white blankness. Except down in Edna O'Brien, where LDP was writing furiously on her laptop. Writing a page, printing it off, reading it, placing it in a large green box, page after page after page, none of them white, all of them covered in black marks. After hours of this, she closed the green box and placed it under her desk, as if it was a shameful secret. I became more and more curious about the way she wrote. Not the words or the stories, but the two speeds she used, fast and slow the laptop and the notebook and the green box in which she put all those pages I needed to find out what all of this meant Mm. when dawn came I watched her row the boat to the middle of the black lake then I went for breakfast
4: all that coffee no wonder you're not sleeping hello Hello. Ground Control to Major Tom. What? Exactly, what? What are you looking at out that window?
1: (sighs) Nothing. Why does she do it? Every morning she rose to the middle of that lake. Why?
4: Thank you for contacting. Just ask David. I heard from a mediocre American novelist who heard it from a really bad Canadian poet who told her not to tell it to anyone, so she told me in strict confidence and, of course, I swore never to tell a soul. Heard what? Well, apparently, back in Montana, her son went swimming in a lake at night with some friends. Drunk, high, who knows? He got into trouble, but the friends never noticed. When they did, it was too late. At home, she rose that boat into the middle of the lake every day to mourn him.
1: It's called Lake Sorrow. What? She told me the lake near her house was called Lake Sorrow.
4: Lake Sorrow, my hole, Bloody writers. Anyway, that's why she chose to come here, because it has a lake. Her son drowned at night, so she won't go on the lake at night time. In spite of all that female machismo, she's a nervous Nelly. So, that's the secret that everyone knows.
1: Drowning's the worst. I know all about drowning.
4: She got over it, though. She squeezed two novels and four short stories from it. She's a writer, so no tragedy goes to waste. How's your work going?
1: Well, yeah, really well.
4: Short stories, is it?
1: Mostly. They might make a novel if I can...
4: um... Well, only connect.
1: Yeah, only connect. Whatever that means. That night, I watched the writing machine down below in Edna O'Brien. The slow handwriting, then the rapid typing. The printing of the pages, the filling of the green box, which was so carefully put under the desk. Then I watched her sit back and do nothing. It seemed like a good time to strike. Dad had said to share his gift with my new friends. I didn't have any new friends. I didn't have any old friends. Oh, Neve. I know it's really late, but I could see it stopped working and... My dad gave me this bottle of whiskey to share. Writer's
5: block. Oh, what a genius name for a whiskey. Luckily I don't need it.
1: Oh,
5: right. I don't drink when I'm working. And I'm always working. Or I'm sleeping. Of
1: course, I'm sorry. come okay, but... in.
5: I'll keep you company while you knock one back. Really? Are you sure? Sure, I'm sure. Here, use this. Writer's block. That's a good one.
1: Do you ever have it?
5: Writer's (laughs) blog? No. Never. And you?
1: Can I tell you something? And please don't tell David. Okay. Do you mind if I sit? Whatever. I haven't actually written anything since I came here.
2: You
5: haven't reached flow?
1: What's that?
5: When you ride the wave of it all. You're in it. And on top of it, immersed, in danger and safe, all at the same time.
1: I think I've seen you do that on your laptop. Sorry, I've been spying.
5: Of course you've been spying. You're a writer, that's what we do.
1: I notice you write really slowly on your notebook and really fast on your laptop.
5: I'll let you in on a secret. When I
1: finish writing,
5: real writing, with pen and paper and ink, slowly carving words into meaning, When I finish that, I'm on a kind of high 200 words max. And then I want to spew out all the other stuff in my head, all the garbage, so I write for three more hours. Storylines, character biogs, plots for airport books I will never publish for screenplays that will never get made, though they're bad enough to be. All this writing junk goes into my green box, which I bury under the desk, out of sight, so that none of that crap will ever creep into my work. And then, I get a few hours sleep. Like I'm going to get now.
1: Oh, Sorry, I didn't mean to keep you.
5: Show me something you've written. I'm curious. What?
3: You mean you'd read something?
5: David said... Forget David. Show me whatever you want to show me. Be warned, I'll only tell the truth.
3: (laughs) I'm nervous at the thought of you reading... You see, I've always loved your work, and what if you don't even like Just whatever? stop.
5: <sighs> Just show me, and we'll talk, okay?
1: Okay. Good night, Neve. Night, Lavinia. As I left her room, I heard the floor creak down the corridor. I looked. I thought I saw a shadow darting past some wood panelling. It was quick, so it was hard to know if I'd imagined it. David was the only one who could be moving around the house at that hour, but... He was always plastered by now on a second bottle of Chateau Blanc. Back in my room, I put writer's block back in its box. I read The Purple Hoodie many times. Tried to read it as if I never saw it before. That didn't work. Then I read it backwards, starting at the last sentence. That was just weird. Weird. Next morning, I gave my story to L.D. Power, the great American writer. She said she would read it after all her work was done. And so I watched. And I waited. All day. Then I saw her lift the pages, my pages, and start to read. She didn't move. She didn't react. She just read. When she turned the last page, read the last sentence, she leaned back and laughed. I couldn't hear the laugh, but I could see it. Her teeth bared like a horse neighing. Then she actually slapped her thigh like an old cowboy in an old movie. But the thing is, there was nothing funny about my story. Nothing. Nothing at all. At that moment, I hated her more than anyone else on Earth. Later, when I knocked on her door, she'd already scrawled a sign that said, Do not knock. Go away, everyone. I waited until dawn. And then I plunged.
3: Hi, Lavinia.
5: Go away, please.
3: Just wondering if you read my story.
5: No, I didn't. Oh? I read someone else's story. Excuse me? <laughs> they say steal from the best, but they should add. Make sure you disguise it well. What do you mean? Grace Wamakungeo was my student. She worked on that story in my class when I did a semester at Oberlin. I remember it well. The purple buoy buoy. You're not much of a thief. Please go away. Stop wasting my time and
1: yours. She rowed the boat away from me, pushing hard against the water. I slinked under trying to get lost down there where no one could see my anger. See, I've always wanted to be a writer, but the thing is, I don't like writing. I mean just takes forever. And anyway, I don't have any ideas for stories. So I went to the library in Clomel. I found a book of stories by African women writers. It was called African Women Writers. Smart. I read that story. The Purple Booey Booey. It was about a girl from a strict Muslim family who's in love with a Christian boy. Her parents disapprove, of course. She gradually works up the courage to disobey them. She goes to the market and she buys some material to make a purple buoy buoy. That's what they wear to cover their bodies a buoy buoy. It's called other things in other parts of the world, and it's usually black. Anyway, her parents are cross. Her brother threatens to stone her. One day, she walks out of her home and heads down the dirt road. Head high to meet the boy she likes. The story ends as she walks towards the market and gradually becomes a purple dot on a dusty road. Will she survive? Will she be stoned? We never find out. (laughs) I changed all the details. I turned the strict Muslim family into horrible teachers. The dusty road was black tarmac. The Christian boy became a traveller girl and... You guessed it, the purple booey buoy became the purple hoodie. <laughs> the judges loved it. They praised the local colour and said, I was an exciting new voice. I suppose I was. In Tipperary, anyway. But not in Killaduna House. Not with L.D. Power, the great American writer. I locked myself in my room. Pretended I was sick. Demanded room service from Mr. David. Sure if LD Power could have it, then so could I.
4: Scrambled eggs. Invalid cooking at its best. So how are you? Not good. It's been four days now. Maybe I need to call the doctor.
1: I don't need a doctor.
4: Or the plagiarism police. What? You do know what plagiarism is? Stealing from other writers. Oh yeah, of course you do. She told you. She's cross. Very. She doesn't want to kiss your ass. She wants to strangle you. What? David warned me not to talk to you.
1: You overheard all our conversations? I heard enough. You're going to throw me out, aren't you?
4: This story needs a better ending than that. It does? I'm sure he can come up with something.
1: Like a surprise ending?
4: That would be fun.
1: Hi, Dad.
0: How are you, love?
1: Oh, wrecked. <laughs> Just writing, writing, writing. I finished my novel. Your know what? My book. It all came together really quickly. So I'm bailing early. Can you come and collect me first thing in the morning? But I've walked tomorrow. It's so hard to get any transport from here, and like I'm really under pressure. I'll
0: take a half day.
1: I need to go first thing, eight a.m. latest. That's
0: early?
1: Yeah. They asked me to check out as early as possible. They're really, really busy here.
0: I'll call in sick.
1: Thanks, Dad. I waited until she had finished her work and filled her green box with all those pages. I grabbed the bottle of writer's block. I crept downstairs to the kitchen. I got an onion. I put it to good use. Lavinia? It's
3: me, Neve.
5: Go away.
3: I'm sorry. I just want to explain.
5: There's nothing to explain.
3: My dad just died. What? I just got a call from my auntie. She's coming for me in the morning. I feel just feel so lonely here on my own.
5: Oh, you poor thing. Come in, come in. Sit down. Was he ill for long? No. No, he wasn't
3: sick at all. He was coming home late from work this evening and he just collapsed between the car and our front door. Fell on the tarmac. He hit his head against the stone steps. I brought the bottle of Ryder's Block. He would have liked me to. Do you mind?
5: No, of course.
3: He wanted me to share it with my new friends here. (laughs) But I didn't make any new friends. (laughs) Just an enemy.
5: Oh, now I'm not your enemy.
3: I'm sorry I lied to you.
5: Never mind me. You lied to yourself. That's worse. But what does that matter now? You're right, Lavinia.
3: Thank you for being so understanding. Will you join me?
5: Well, you know I really do. You're my only
3: friend here. I mean, David's just... David. couldn't be anyone's friend it's just it's so lonely just drinking on my own on the light
5: of my dad's
3: in ireland it's a tradition to you know drink to the dead
5: just a shot then i've an early start
1: We drank lots.
5: And then I said to him, You put that thing away.
1: She talked lots. I lied lots. She drank more. I pretended to drink more. And then I pounced.
3: You know what I'd like to do? What? Row out to the middle of the lake. Oh look, the moon is full. I'd like to just sit there with you and feel my dad's spirit.
5: Now? <laughs> well I, I think I am a bit skunk yeah. drunk. Oh no, please don't cry. <laughs>
3: it would mean so much to me and to my dad and, and to my mum who's no longer with us I'm an orphan now mm. and the two of them are up there and I just I think that I could sort of feel them more under the starlit sky you know
5: mm. let's go honey let's do it
1: I rode us out to the middle of the lake I offered her one more swig of writer's block. Here. She took it.
2: <laughs>
5: ah, fire water.
1: <laughs>
5: this is so beautiful here. So, so... Oh, look. A white owl.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, wow.
5: A falling angel. What? It was some old country lore in Montana. You see a white owl is a sign of an approaching death.
3: Mm, that's a bit creepy, Lavinia. <laughs>
5: mm,
1: I'm really sorry about the purple hoodie.
5: Ugh, enough about that, honey.
3: Can you give me a hug? I feel like a hug. Come here.
5: Oh, oh neve <laughs> I'm a bit... I've had way too much to drink. I don't think I can move.
3: (laughs) Okay, stay there.
1: I'll come over to you. (laughs) I held her close. Mm. Let her warmth smother me. Her whiskied breath envelop me. I'm really sorry for everything, Lavinia. It's okay. Then, with one move, I pushed her overboard. (gasps) I grabbed the oar I pushed her down She came back up I pushed her down again After a few of these She gave up I sat there for a while Thinking the white owl might fly by again But it didn't Then I plunged into darkness. After I had showered and dressed, I went to LDP's room. I opened the green box, grabbed the pages, hundreds and hundreds of them. And then I sensed him at the door. Call me Mr. David.
4: So, you came up with an ending?
1: Like you asked.
4: But you came up with the ending of all endings. I'd never come up with an ending like that.
1: Maybe your work is too lifelike.
4: Oh. You are one very rotten egg.
1: Look at this stuff. Stories, stories. Lots of stories and plot lines and, and movie treatments. Nobody knows about these. This is going to make us a fortune. Us? Yes, us. You and me.
4: Me and you? Ah, oh, Yes. Yes, what a tragic end for the great L.D. Power. She rows her boat to the middle of the lake in the middle of the night to end it all. She couldn't take it anymore. Her dead son, the Vale of Tears, this Lake of Sorrows. Still, she can now take her place among literature's suicide queens. Who? Writers who kill themselves. Virginia Woolf, Sylvia Plath, Ernest Hemingway.
3: Never heard of them. Oh, good Lord.
0: How's my little early bird? Tired. Of course you are, love. All that writing. But you got praised from that great writer. What's her name?
1: L.D. Power.
0: L.D. Power. I looked her up on the net.
1: Is she somebody, all right? She is, yeah. Some. Body. What are you smiling at? Nothing.
3: What? Nothing.
0: It's great to see you coming back to yourself, Nevi. After all you've been through.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dad. We drove to Tip as the sky turned blood red. Over the next few months there were interrogations and interviews and endless questions. But Dave and I... We had our story fixed, a tragic drowning, a probable suicide. I knew a lot about those already, ever since Mam's death by Radox. We got off scot-free. I sold the story outlines from the green box. First, to some small-time Irish producer. Then to some bigger guys in the UK. And then to the big shots here in Hollywood. <laughs> Dave has been everything to me. Pool boy, manager, publicity guy, financial advisor. He insisted on me buying this property. <laughs> He knew I'd love the heart-shaped pool. I do. (laughs) But I can't swim in it. I cannot plunge. I cannot even put my face in the cool blue water. So I lie here, poolside, face down, soaking in the sunshine of my success.
3: Dave? Dave? Dave?
0: Hello,
1: Niamh. Oh, jeez. I didn't see you there. I've been calling you all this time. Where have you been?
4: Where have I been? Um, where have I been... Keeping up, I suppose. See this piece in Variety? The incredible story of the young Irish woman who has become a Hollywood script factory... The headline's a bit obvious, but the film boss will like it. Take a look.
1: sun's in my eyes. Read it out to me.
4: All about Neve. Get it? Hmm. Yeah. All about Eve. Obviously. All about Neve. Yeah,
1: okay. I get it. I get it, Dave. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, why are you looking at me like that?
4: It's not all about Dave, is it? No, it's not. Even though.
1: Even though what? He walks towards me with a dark look on his face. Even though what, Dave? He's standing above me now. Why are you being such a weirdo? Dave, are you alright? Let,
3: th- let go of me, Dave!
1: With one kick, he has me in the pool. <laughs> he spears me with the pool brush. He jumps in. Uses his fleshy body to keep me down. His knee on my back. <gasps> <sighs> <clears throat> <sighs> <sighs> <sighs>
5: Watery
1: blue. my arms, my legs, everything, in slow motion until it stops. Except for Dave's heavy breathing and the slapping of the water against the sides of the pool. If this was a movie, how do you think it would end? A high angle shot, an old fat man standing in a pool, some bubbles, then a floating puffed out blue body, me in my yellow bikini, face down in the heart shaped pool, dead, but still talking.
2: That was Bloody Writers, written and directed by Charlie McCarthy. Aileen Mythen played Neve. Richard Cooper was David. Lisa Thurman played LD Power. And Patrick Ryan played Neve's dad. The dramaturg was Jesper Bergman. The original score was by Dennis Clahasy. Sound design and supervision were by Damien Chanel. Bloody Writers by Charlie McCarthy was produced by Kevin Brew. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. Bloody Writers was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.
1: rta.ie forward slash drama on one.